it's the most important because we can do all the strategy and planning in the world, set our goals and targets. We can then start to make the, the invisible visible and start to understand where then inefficiencies lie and where the opportunities to improve. Welcome to Connected FM, a podcast connecting you to the latest insights, tools, and resources to help you succeed in facility management. This podcast is brought to you by IFMA, the leading professional association for facility managers. If you are ready to grow your network and advance in your career, go to ifma.org to get started. Welcome back to part two of this week's show. In the previous episode, we had insightful discussions with Lori Gilmar, President and COO at Facility Engineering Associates, and Paul Cartwright, Deputy Director at the NHS, along with Kaz Mohammed, Vice President for Digital Energy in the UK and Ireland at Schneider Electric. Together, they shared their journeys towards achieving net zero and highlighted the importance of involving stakeholders in adopting cutting-edge technology. In this episode, we dive deeper into the topic, focusing on the significance of digitizing building data to make performance visible and centralizing it for well-informed decision-making. Our experts also explore the fascinating concept of digital twinning and discuss key steps towards successful decarbonization. Now, let's get into it. We have our, our digitized phase. What are the most relevant actions for our audience? I think there's a couple of aspects to the digital piece. So firstly, we talk about, you know, how a building is performing. And if you think about it as, you know, do you know what's the night load? Do you know what the weekend load is? Do you know what the normal occupancy is on a Monday? Do you know what it looks like in the middle of the week? I think these are, are questions that a lot of building owners and, and building maintainers are trying to ask and understand of their own building. So. We talk a lot about making that invisible understanding more visible. So digitally connecting, putting in the relevant data to, or data points to, to collect on and understand what that looks like. I think we, we talk a lot about how we can centralize some of them data points so that you end up with one version of the truth. Because in, invariably, actually, we, we've got some customers, some people we work with, and they've, they've developed different systems, different methods over time, and then they have discrepancies in data and they have missing points. And it's about actually getting that in a way, which is quality that you can rely upon and that you've got some actual, you can challenge on that data point and say, I believe this is how we're performing, you know, within a tolerance and you can make some decisions off the back of that. So we've done a lot of work where we put in cloud-based systems to ultimately help with the commute computing power that's needed often in this case, but also allows you to make that data easily visible to, to lots of different users within a state's team. And then finally, I think you, with all of that data and connectability, there's a lot now that is available around kind of digital twinning. So here we're moving into a space where actually, if you have all of that performance data, it's in a granular form. You're able to now actually see how a building should be performed. You see how the asset should be performing it with the right digital twinning tools. It will tell you when it's not performing what right and by what degree it's not performing and what that looks like, and where is it on that particular asset. And even down to a level of what type of skilled engineer do you need to go and send out to, to that piece of kit to have a look at it? Is it a mechanical issue? Is it an IT issue? Is it a, an electrical issue, et cetera. So we're moving more into that space and, and this is really helping our customers not just be more efficient 
with their energy and, and, and the building performance, but also their workforce as, as well going forward. And I think it starts to, to put some possibilities in our minds as Paul's talking about what the future plans are, but just what does that look like? If you've got that level of insights interacting with your labor force, is there then maybe a space where we actually move into a more of an AI type environment in the future? Absolutely. And Paul, I saw you nodding your head earlier. I know you've got some things to share. How did this play itself out, this particular step, digitize at the hospital? I'll, I'll go back to, to the theater project that I mentioned earlier. And it's an example of picking your targets at specification stage to achieve what you're aiming for. But it's also an example of where we were going to collect data in one aspect, we didn't know that we were going to use it all. So, so I'll come on to that in a moment. And what, what I'll say is that the primary project was to replace, I won't say antiquated, well, I'm not sure it would have turned up on antique roadshow over here, but it felt like it. So some of it's museum, it's some of this plant. And, you know, it's, it needed replacement. So one of the first projects I did at the hospital was to create a specification to, to replace the plant and we do validation of, of the airflows and that plant had always managed to you know meet its targets but the, the, the parameters changed and, and we wanted to get a much better closer control that not just how we were managing the plant but also the outcomes the products that out of the plant and, and in theaters we're constantly measuring flow and air change rates so it's for infection purposes or infection control purposes. Yeah, we try not to infect people. It's about the control effect. And so it was about that measurement. And so we came up with, with a specification and through all of that control. And at the same time, we said, well, why don't we try and measure the actual electricity usage at the same time? And, and that wouldn't would sound that we would normally have done at that granular level, but we installed it at the time, pure fact now. And we started to see the benefits from that. And then that spanned a few other projects where we got to that level of granular detail. But, you know, going back to those theatres, when the energy crisis came along, you know, we were able to suddenly look at this and go, do you know what, actually, by tweaking this and tweaking that, you know, now that we really do need to be energy conscious, let's have a play. So, so that really helped, you know, with having that optimised control. And we were able to pull that data out and turn it into meaningful intelligence and, and do something with it. But again, it does need monitoring. And so that's the other thing. You've got to have a behavioral change as well to a certain degree and a, and a mindset that, that you want to monitor this. So we've done that in the first instance. We were then getting the reports now. But we were actively working our way through this. And one of the things that we started to notice actually with some of the gradual detail was it, it was in correlation to, to where some of our maintenance asks were going. So that was what we started to do. We started to look at it and, and we, we put another meter on the fan motors and then just started to notice that it was drawing slack. Okay, is there a problem somewhere? And, and therefore you start to get into old school world of condition-based maintenance. And suddenly the plant is telling you when to go and have a look at it, when the filters are starting to get blocked because... Pressures are starting to build up a little bit. And, and then, you know, that really for us sort of turned the leaf and, and said, look, let's use that. Let's screens on the wall for it to come and tell us 
when to go to work. So I think that's probably where I'll leave it. But I think for me, the most important thing is certainly pick your targets at specification stage, but try and overachieve. Don't, don't go under. Has moving on to the decarbonize the decarbonized step, just a quick minute or two on the most relevant actions for that. IFMA's new Connected FM blog brings you FM insights, opinions, and best practices all in one place. This year's posts include technology implementation, emerging topics, retaining talent, culture development, digital transformation, and more. Visit blog.ifma.org to start connecting. Yeah, I think this is a vital step. Actually, it's, it's the most important because we can do all the strategy and planning in the world, set our goals and targets. We can then start to make the, the invisible visible and start to understand where then inefficiencies lie and where the opportunities to improve lie. But this is really the action stage. This is about actually making them steps. As Paul's kind of touched upon there actually as well, in terms of understanding that is where the performance lied. This is the best performing area. And actually then there's an opportunity on the other areas to go, why aren't they as, as well performing? Can we make the tweaks? Can we make the adjustments? I think it's further than that though, as well, where we start to go, okay, is there an opportunity to link various systems together? If we're digitizing things and we're connecting things. So in the new landscape, am I able to understand how my space is being utilized and link my space occupancy to maybe the controls? and also link that to the lighting and start to actually run that as a kind of singular system. That means ultimately I'm not reliant on human behavior to turn lights on and off, to turn the air conditioning on and off, et cetera, et cetera. And actually now I'm driving another level of, of kind of hyper efficiency there. I think when we start to get them into the maintenance world, all of the opportunities off the back of that are also there and relevant. So you see there's possibilities within the energy space and the efficiency space there, but also outside of that as well. Thank you, Kaz. And Paul, if you could share just a super brief example of what decarbonization looked like at your facility. What we've been doing more is just replacing it in a meaningful fashion that is going to give us our best bang for our buck. And, you know, recently we chose not to replace the gas boiler with a gas boiler, we did go electric, became slightly more capital. We saw that it was going to give us a, a, a much better target because we knew that we had the CHPs in the background and, that, and this was an occasional use. So I think it's really about understanding what your baseline is, looking at a measure, okay, and really trying to, to be most economical from a carbon perspective as well as a cost perspective. Uh, and, and I'd just like to say integration is key, echoing what, what Kaz says, but linking as, as many systems as you can together to try and get you to a point where you've got rich data seams that actually mean something. So seeing recommendations for facility professionals, that's is very useful and helpful and relevant. Kaz, what are your three takeaways from today? I, I think the... Probably the three to condense it down is one about that kind of stakeholder engagement. So Paul's alluded to the CFO there. It might be the CFO in your organization, but others, but it's how do you kind of engage 
with a wider community around this topic and, and really get that support across an organization. I think the invisible, making the invisible visible is really important. And again, you know, Paul's kind of touched upon some examples there where maybe you're going to be replacing some equipment just through standard kind of life cycling. Maybe it's just time to update it. Well, are you really considering the future when you take 10 steps? Are you maybe incorporating some aspects of digitization for that particular asset, even without necessarily knowing how you're going to use that data kind of going forward. It's just incorporating that, which is much easier to do on the outset. And I'd say, look, this is not just about short-term gain. This is about long-term impact for the future. So going slowly initially to really understand how your building's performing, understand where then kind of spots are to, to kind of then go fast once you, you realize that. Very good. Thank you so much, Kaz. What skills do RFMs need to address new technology with like digitization, automation, and decarbonization? I think these topics can look quite scary on the outside. So I, I believe there's actually just that curiosity to go and get embedded with it, go and see, you know, work with some of the manufacturers out there, the likes of ourselves, the likes of, you know, Ithma as well, work with the people around you, some of the experts in the field to understand it and help them to demystify it. Because really it's kind of a lot of it is about understanding exactly how your building's performing. A lot of it is just about connecting up bits of assets that you're probably going to know more about than anything else. And I think the opportunity here, working in the sustainability kind of field, making that impact on our buildings and the future is actually a key attraction point for, for people kind of coming into the sector. So there's a huge amount of people out there that want to make that difference and impact. And if you're doing something around this and it's meaningful and it's real, then, then I believe you can bring in the right kind of people and the, the skills going forward. I, I would echo all of that. And, and I think it's also about making it relevant. And I think what I mean there is when you've got a building that, that sits on a glass building as you're walking down the street, Lots of people have no idea what, what goes on within that environment. And I think that's the best thing that, that we need to, to, to get out to the wider audience. And, and FM is, I think, underrepresented when, when, when it comes to, to schools and careers, et cetera. You know, we, we tend to think about heavy engineering. We tend to think about sciences. But actually, mix the two of those together, you almost got FM. You know, you, you've got big clubs managing running buildings. And, you know, somebody suddenly to controlling it. And I think that's the message that we really do need to get out there is, Dad's mentioned that it's scary. It is scary to look at, but, but make it relevant. And I think if you make it relevant, you'll make it interesting. I've got another question, kind of pivoting a little bit on that question. When we think about the FM industry, one of the challenges that we have right now is shortages of people coming in. And challenges with getting people educated up to a skill level that's needed for not just what we need today, but what we need tomorrow. And so as we think about net zero and decarbonization, those are big topics that we're needing to address. So how do we deal with the people shortages and the skill needed for this transformation that we're talking about? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely a challenge. No, no ways about it. And it was a challenge probably prior to COVID. I think it's just accelerated in the last kind of two, three years as well. So here, here at Schneider Electric, we're trying to look at it as not kind of one thing just to tackle in its own right. We're tackling it from probably three or four different routes. And, you know, one is kind of going back to 
you know, grassroots of how many people came into the industry, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, which was through very good apprenticeship programs, making sure that they're relevant and that we're supported. And we're seeing a lot more in that space, in, in both our space and across the industry. So it's really tapping into that. We're also looking at, a, at programs around kind of lateral hires as well. So this is a really attractive space to work in, you know, working with the new technology, with digital tools in a space where ultimately you can make an impact on the overall sustainability picture. It's, it's tra attracting attention from those that might be in work, but they're in different fields and they're going to need that kind of support and step going forward. So manufacturers like ourselves and, and other large kind of organizations, I think need to reach out and understand what role they can play in kind of reskilling some of the, the resources that are out there, maybe from other sectors. Very good. Paul, do you want to add to that? I would just suggest something like the shipping. So, so for my particular uh, issue is pay and, you know, competing as public sector organization with, with a private sector field. So one of the things that we've explored is to utilize the expertise of people who are, you know, in an operational and to bring them and, and bring up the level of the personnel that we have got on site. And then you, by doing that partnership and approach, you, you've got access to the higher skill base, okay? But you're also growing your own development team and all through developments. And then from that point, then you're also sort of offering them another route. They, they could potentially, if they're any good, you know, head off to, to the specialist world, or they may just become that really great all-rounder that you've got. Okay, but it's within partnership in with those highly skilled technicians and adults now, I think is a really good way to, to try and bolster your own teams. Excellent. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. As mentioned earlier, I'd like you to invite you to download the e-guide, the Retrofit for Sustainability of Facility Manager's Guide for Net Zero Buildings. In this white paper, you can find more details on today's topics, as well as some practical recommendations that you can implement. There's uh, operational checklists and, and things that you can help as you make your journey toward net zero. So thank you everyone for joining us today. We so appreciate your time and your attention and let's all be encouraged in this journey onto net zero. So thanks again, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And as always, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast for more incredible content.